This is the EPFR Exchange Podcast. All opinions expressed by Cam, Todd, and our podcast guests are solely of their own opinion and do not reflect the opinion of EPFR or Informa, its parent company. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for investment decisions. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the EPFR Exchange Podcast. My name is Todd Willits, and I'm joined by EPFR's in-house economist, Cameron Brandt. We're going to walk you through what our teams were monitoring last week in the various data sets EPFR tracks, as well as what we'll be looking out for in the weeks ahead. Cam, good morning. After a couple of weeks where flows seemed to normalize, it looks like the flight to cash may have resumed last week. Uh, yes, certainly in numerical terms, it did. Uh, another $95 billion into the money market funds we track, which took their year-to-date total over $1.1 trillion. Um, But there were plenty of reasons for investors to sit on their hands during this week. Um, A lot of key data points were scheduled uh, towards the end or slightly after the reporting period. Um, That included uh, the uh, April meetings of the uh, U.S. Federal Reserve, um, the European Central Bank, release of latest U.S. unemployment figures. Um, and there was also, uh, I think, a general feeling that uh, with a rash of at least theoretical plans for exiting lockdown strategies used to restrain uh, the spread of COVID-19, uh, that there's a fair amount of uncertainty uh, in a number of key markets. So maybe you could share with our listeners, where did investors show conviction last week? Uh, they they did in a number of areas, uh, Turkish and Australian debt, junk bonds, Mexican and Japanese equity, uh, and funds with socially responsible or environmental, social and governance mandates uh, did well. Uh, well, funds dedicated to European, Korean and South African and especially Brazilian equity uh, experienced above average redemption. But it was actually among the sector fund groups we tracked that we saw the greatest conviction. Oh, sector funds. Interesting. Which, which sectors in particular? Well, um, there have been the usual suspects. And by that, I mean the uh, four groups that have uh, seen a lot of investor interest uh, since the sell-off started in late February. Uh, that would be uh, energy, commodities, healthcare, and technology. But what was more interesting this week was that uh, I think largely because of expectation that a, a wide swathe of lockdowns in key markets uh, are, you know, at least uh, 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 at the uh, end of the beginning, if not the beginning of the end. Um, investors were willing to take another look at at the financial and consumer goods sector funds, uh, which had been hit pretty hard when the lockdowns were really uh, being tightened. Um, And both of those fund groups took in over a billion dollars last week. Wow. Is that surprising or is that, do do you think that's uh, justified from what Um, you're saying? 
you know, the, the, the logic certainly makes sense. Um, there's going to be a lot of pent up uh, demand when the lockdowns really do uh, start to get rolled back. Uh, and people will, of course, <laughs> borrow uh, in true American fashion anyhow to buy all of those consumer goods uh, they didn't buy while they were cooped up at home. But uh, I do think that given how bumpy the exit process could be, that uh, it may be a little too early. I would, based on what I'm hearing from everyone else, if if there were a homemade bread ETF, that would be booming <laughs> over the past uh, few weeks. Seems like everyone has their sourdough starters going. Yes, um, yes. Turning to emerging markets, you had mentioned, I think Mexican equity is one of the asset classes that's been getting a lot of uh, positive interest. And you addressed that in one of the recent daily exchange pieces, I know. What's happening there? Well, yeah, well, you might ask, uh, Mexico, given it's dependent on oil revenues and uh, its populist leadership um, and the mediocre uh, economic trajectory it was on even before the COVID outbreak, would seem to be an unlikely magnet for... Um, uh, additional uh, fund flows, but uh, it, it's more a case of uh, given the limited numbers of major markets available to investors looking to Latin America, uh, it, it's the best of the available ones. Brazil, which had been attracting a lot of money and seeing its allocations increase thanks to its re reform story, um, has seen that reform story crumble in really dramatic fashion uh, over the f past few weeks. So um, different yeah. than, obviously, that's not really a, a COVID play. I think that's probably more with, with everything that's happening with the, with the government there. Yes. So I, I think uh, um, in the case of Brazil, the way uh, President Jair Bolsonaro has handled um, the uh, COVID pandemic uh, has fractured uh, what political support he had. Uh, and without th that political support, it's pretty unlikely that uh, some of the uh, reforms uh, he was championing will make it through uh, Brazil's Byzantine legislature. Um, I will say that uh, while the money going towards Mexico and the increase in allocations we've seen recently um, are in some ways just a rotation play from bad to less bad. I think Mexico is also riding a wave we've seen uh, in the energy sector fund flows, which is uh, based on a belief that uh, oil will rise again uh, and getting uh, exposure at the current rock bottom prices will pay off. So that reminds me of uh, uh, mentioning oil. Another daily exchange piece you did that caught my eye suggests that maybe the SRI ESG theme, which obviously had been one of the clear winners over the past, well, really 18 months, isn't working its magic with, with the energy sector. Uh, what do you think's going on there? What's, what's the dynamic that's at play? Well, I think it starts with people's perception of what uh, will happen with the green energy story. Um, historically, when oil is cheap, uh, it's pretty hard to persuade uh, people to uh, rotate away to more expensive uh, sources of uh, energy, even if they are environmentally sound. 
uh, harder for utilities to make the case that they should um, stop burning cheap oil uh, and start burning more expensive if cleaner natural gas. Um, but uh, uh, I think that, uh, you know, this, this go around, it may be different uh, in that there's a lot of installed uh, alternative energy infrastructure out there um, and a much broader um, social and political consensus behind the need to have that infrastructure and to expand it. But there's no doubt that the the um, sort of green element of energy, which is the, obviously the one that the SRIESG funds focus on, is going to struggle a bit because it's still very dependent on government uh, subsidies. And uh, those governments are going to be somewhat cash-strapped for the foreseeable future. Right. Just priority really dictates yeah. that they, they really can't uh, focus on this at this point. Yeah. Do you, do you, would you envision with this historically cheap oil, as long as that stays uh, where it's at, SRISG struggles? Uh, I don't think so. I think overall um, ESG, SRI funds uh, have really weathered the downturn remarkably well. They only had uh, one week, the equity funds we tracked with those mandates only had one week of outflows uh, and inflows would already bounce back to the sort of two to three billion a week mark. Um, so uh, uh, I'm actually not anticipating, uh, you know, anything, any really marked reversal. Uh, though, as you mentioned, there are going to be some hard choices ahead, um, and some of those will come down to you know, whether to invest uh, in uh, infrastructure and processes uh, and sources of energy that uh, have higher upfront costs than some of the long-established, uh, if less uh, environmentally sensitive, ways of doing things. Interesting. So as we look at the week ahead, uh, obviously a lot happening in any given week. What will you and the team be focusing on this week? Well, the two I'm going to isolate this week, Todd, are um, municipal bond funds. Um, obviously a, a big um, sort of safe haven asset class in the U.S. that's very popular with retail investors. Um, but just as they were beginning to sort of recover their luster, uh, U.S. Senate leader Mitch McConnell made a, a clear statement that uh, uh, in terms of dealing with the financial distress that uh, many municipalities and states are going to face in the coming months, um, he is not in favor of bailing them out and would prefer to see them take uh, some kind of bankruptcy route. Um, that has a lot of legal issues, um, but it does mean that um, uh, investors looking at this asset class uh, are faced with the possibility that uh, um, when defaults come around, <laughs> recovery rates could be a lot lower. And I'm assuming that would be fairly unprecedented for that space. Yeah, it, it would historically. Munis have a very low default rate, and even when they do default rate, the recovery rate uh, is is you know, 
<laughs> I'm not sure there's anything, any such thing as a good recovery rate on a defaulted uh, asset, but you know it tends to be higher than most. Um, but on the other hand, uh, you know that uh, assumption has been taking a fair number of nicks and dents in recent years. Um, investor protections have been getting reeled back in this sort of yield-starved climate that we've seen over the past three or four years. Um, and the precedence is set by the Detroit bankruptcy and the ongoing proceedings in Puerto Rico uh, aren't particularly investor-friendly. So uh, some kind of uh, reassessment of the longstanding assumptions uh, may be a good thing, especially uh, from the perspective of investors deciding just how much exposure to take on. So what else are you you and the team going to be looking at this week? The, the other one I'm going to be paying more attention to is uh, Europe. Um, uh, having finally <laughs> got Brexit behind it and some kind of feeble but sustained growth, um, they've run the continent as a whole, has run slap bang into the fallout from the COVID pandemic, and it's it's uh, brought all of the existing uh, structural issues and tensions right back to the fore. Uh, it was noticeable uh, among the developed markets groups uh, that Europe equity funds led the way in terms of outflows this past week. Um, and I think that uh, there's certainly an undercurrent of real unease uh, about uh, Europe situation and its ability to deal with it. Um, it the U.S. has already wheeled out um, some trillion plus dollar stimulus packages uh, and you know, Japan uh, is is working on a package that uh, represents something like 20% of GDP, while the Europeans are basically bickering over whether uh, the uh, richer northern countries should <laughs> should sort of uh, support the weaker southern ones. Um, so uh, there's a lot of stress points there, and I, in the weeks ahead, I think they're going to be exposed. So in terms of where there could be a really sharp movement, uh, that's the place. Well, we'll we'll definitely keep an eye on that. Uh, I feel like as as this uh, lockdown continues on, we should we should probably get some tips and tricks from from Cam Brandt on how he's staying sane. So, uh, what's uh, what's one of the ways that you and and the family are are getting on uh, keeping keeping things regular? Any any tips for the listeners? Well, um, I think uh, it, all of that very much depends on your particular family dynamic. But in my case, the fact that they can get rid of me for one day a weekend while I go off and pursue fish, uh, which are still available to me since most of the government, the governors in New England have decided that uh, uh, fishing is not a, 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 an activity that they need to restrain. Uh, has kept me sane and has uh, cleared some extra space in our living area to the benefit of those that stayed behind. And this is really the time of year where that that really kicks into gear, right? I mean, it's, yep, uh, yep, it is yep. fish season. It is. Um, spring is finally I, springing. 
<laughs> I know we have quite a few golfers on our our team, and unfortunately, they're not as as lucky. Their favorite pastime is not yet uh, deemed safe. So hopefully, uh, Glenn Stryer and team can get out there soon enough when they open the courses. Well, um, I don't know if you saw the, the one of the articles in this week's Sunday New York Times focused on what they called guerrilla golfers. Uh, a, a big a big subgroup of them who just can't wait well i guess they're making their own making their own uh, decision yeah. there um cam thanks for your time and, and have a great week you too cheers as always you can find epfr on linkedin and on twitter at epfr to sign up to receive our epfr daily exchange research we spoke about here you can visit financialintelligence.informa.com for questions or to suggest a topic for an upcoming podcast, you can email EPFR Exchange Podcast at informa.com. Mm-hmm.